<laughs> Double clap. All right. We're rolling, rolling, rolling. Yeah, sure. All right. Ready in five, four, three, two. Welcome to Flip Your Friday. I'm your host, Wynn Silberman. This is my co-host, Casey LeBlanc. We have a special guest today, Case, uh, Dr. Brian Trainer. Thank you very much for uh, visiting with us today. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Really appreciate it. Um, This is going to be really interesting. You know, health and wellness is such an interesting topic for me, uh, for all of us, whether you want to optimize your health or whether you have a a sick parent, the things that have gone through with the vaccine and and some of the things that have been uplifted in the modernization of medicine have been very eye-opening to me. So I wanted to take a second and step back. I'm a client of his, actually, um, for optimization of health. Um, but I do want to take a step back before I start asking you some questions. And I know you went to West Point. I know you've obviously a naturopath. I want to talk about that too. Um, but first, just stepping back, my father was a uh, orthopedic surgeon and a, an MD. And mm. I was trained by my father to only listen to MDs. Mm. <clears throat> if you had, if he was alive today and we went through the pandemic, I would lean on his advice, mm. which was based on 40 years of medical school. Right. Or 40 years prior to medical school. Mm-hmm. And and I would rely on that advice. But what I learned uh, through this um, vaccination and this whole pandemic was modern medicine has become so innovative that you can't just rely on an MD. Right. There has to be other roles that people play. Mm. Osteopaths, chiropractors. There's this litany of healthcare providers that whereas before they weren't really given a lot of credibility. I tend to start giving credibility. Mm. Um, so with that. I, I know I was going to read a little bit of your bio, but I kind of just want to jump into to something. What exactly, how do you define yourself as a physician? What is a naturopath? Like, define that first, then we'll go from there. Yeah, great question. Um, so, yeah, I would be happy to share that. So, I am a naturopathic doctor, licensed naturopathic doctor in California. Every state right now is slightly different. I can be called a naturopathic physician in Washington, where I first found out about naturopathic medicine, where I myself benefited from a naturopathic physician um, and so it's still four years of schooling. I went to an undergrad program, was an army mm-hmm. officer for a while, got sick myself. And we'll, we'll talk about that. Yeah. Uh, but I started looking at different options of where to go to school and I did get accepted to a few osteopathic programs. I was, by the point I was applying to medical schools, I uh, was pretty turned off by the conventional medical system sure. and thought, you know, MD bad, everything else now, maybe. No, not to cut you off, but osteopath is a blend of Western medicine and Eastern medicine, right? And to a certain extent? That's the, the philosophy, absolutely. So okay. Dr. DOs or doctors of osteopathic medicine, um, licensed in all 50 states, can do every residency opportunity that an MD can do now. So a uh, little known fact about, I think it's 9% of physicians will uh, stay countrywide are DOs, about 25% in the military. So we have actually a lot of DOs in the military, which is great. Um, It's not orthopedic. Orthopedic, osteopathic, very different. Osteopathic at at its core is uh, really the the idea that the body is meant to heal itself, that if we give it the right nutrients and blood flow, specifically blood flow, they focus more on blood flow. Chiropractors focus more on nervous system supply. Mm -hmm. They're both relevant. There really shouldn't be an argument. It used to be back in around 1900, um, NDs, chiropractors, osteopaths were pretty much all the same. And same with MDs. Uh, it was after 1910, and we can talk about kind of what happened in medical education that changed kind of how each group got siloed and has been ever since fighting for their piece of the pie, which sure. is unfortunately has, I would say, delayed optimal patient care because it's kind of like instead of it being who can help you, it's which 
degree could possibly help you. And well, part part of why we're doing this podcast is because I, I, I look at it like you are the CEO of your own health mm. and people mm. don't take ownership and responsibility of that. And they have, mm. you know, they go into a Kaiser system and it's a flip of the coin who they get, or right. they go see one doctor and it's like, well, that doctor studied for eight or 12 years, whatever it was. And so they mm. must know what they're doing. Mm. It just couldn't be further from the truth in my opinion. And I think to your point of, where the vaccine has taught us is that groupthink is not necessarily always right. Right. And whether whatever side of the, you know, the coin you fall into from the vaccination standpoint, we do know that there was a lot of forced groupthink and mm-hmm. then it became, you know, a whole a whole thing. But what it did it was it politicized. Spot- <laughs> but what it did was it, it spotlighted the idea that at least this is my opinion and I would love to hear yours as to <clears throat> When you have a, um, a new medical phenomenon, it should be debated. It should mm, be argued. There's right. just not enough data or evidence to to for there to not be um, the argument from the other side. You know, debating that. Right. What what where do you land on some of that stuff? I know it's a highly uh, yeah uh, hyper topic, but great question. Yeah. So I, the whole uh, where most people kind of take this conversation is. Uh, well, I if an MD was in the room potentially, and they were maybe against some of what I might suggest, or at least in theory, they probably, once we got talking, we'd probably realize we have, you know, 90% of our philosophy is similar. There's, but, um, where I landed is evidence, touching your microphone, (laughs) evidence-based. So, um, this word evidence-based is this term that's been used to this. It's not science backed evidence-based follow the science, whatever term was used, you know, both in the pandemic and, and previously to discredit other maybe ideas or ways of thinking. Um, I would love to be fully evidence-based. There's no perfect placebo-controlled trial to say what is going to help win tomorrow. We can we can look at the data and we can tweak numbers and we can work on things, but that there is going to be there's going to be informed. Um, it's going to be evidence-informed. So I'm going to take the best research, the best clinical you know knowledge that I have, and all my my mentors and the people that have taught me how to practice, and what I'm hearing on podcasts. Like you know, bring in whatever we can learn and hear and see, is it safe? Is it effective? Is it going to be effective for you personally? So I like to joke, I don't practice evidence-based medicine. I practice results-based medicine. Mm-hmm. You versus you, are you better off? And are you healthier? Are you uh, created you know, longer to uh, advance your health span, not just your lifespan? Um, and so in the end, that's my number one question. And it's really also looking at, are there potential negatives, right? But if there's something that has low negatives, high potential, I'm always, almost always going to lean towards that and give people that option. We were talking about this before we got started, and I think it's the idea of <clears throat> reactive medicine versus proactive medicine mm. and this transition that hopefully a lot of people are starting to catch on because there's more, maybe more research, there's more trials, there's more things that are going on. It's certainly more easy or it's a lot more um, readily available information, podcasts and research yeah. and Twitter and so forth. What are some ideas as I talk about be the CEO of your own health, yeah. be the CEO of your life and your <clears throat> maybe the the healthy life that you can live. Give us some ideas as to what people should be doing with that. Mm, good question. Yeah. Being the CEO of your own health. So the way it kind of worked for me was similar. I kind of just listened to what doctors said. I didn't have a medical background in the family necessarily, but grew up very healthy. Um, my mom got diagnosed with breast cancer and she was 39 years old. And that was a wake up call. Um, because she was uh, running marathons or she was, my mom was uh, also an army officer and Intel officer. She was, you know, amazing. She still does CrossFit like twice a day. I mean, and you, you won a national championship, right? While you're in. Yeah. I ended up racing triathlon. So I get a lot of uh, kind of a fun little fact. We get most of our, 
all of our mitochondrial DNA from our mothers. Um, oh. Sperm doesn't have any mitochondrial DNA, whereas it definitely doesn't. So, yeah. <laughs> I, the good thing is, is I have no idea what mitochondria is. So okay. mine's probably elite, but yeah, just, what, just Google it later. Can you just tell us what the, that is? The joke basically is that, uh, and it's true though, like you get your energy from your mother, your okay. energy ability. So, but interestingly, the egg that formed your mother was actually already around when your grandma was born. So super interesting. So my, the egg that ended Don't up making my mom. So walk him through this slowly. So my, <laughs> my Irish granny, my grandparents are Irish immigrants. Uh, you know, her egg was made during the Great Depression, basically. My mom's yeah. egg. So my mitochondrial DNA dates back to when her egg was first Jesus. around. Whenever it first, right? So women are born with their entire egg supply for their life. Right. Right. So we could date yeah. back to 1930, wow. Mona Mulholland being born. Somewhat predicts how my energy will be today. My ability to produce ATP at the cellular level. Which is interesting. ATP is what action, right? That's the, that's the energy part of the protein. Yeah. And it's interesting. Another kind of fun fact about being the CEO, there's no specialty in medicine that focuses on mitochondria on energy, right? And we use this term energy and all these like energy medicines and all this, but every style, every, every philosophy of medicine understands there's a flow of a something through the body, whether it be all frequency, electric, even electronic frequency, right? Is that not? Yeah. Everyone understands that it's a thing. We just haven't like, pinned it down. So interesting. That's actually a gap I often fill is because I could not, even if, uh, if I was practicing true primary care, you know, family medicine role, that if someone has a mitochondrial, other than a fully genetic, like they weren't born with enough mitochondria, right. their cells don't work right. If their mitochondria aren't, aren't working well, it's going to affect everything in the body, every function. And there's nobody focusing on that. So I want to I want to get back to uh, fu- you got that was a great question by the way. Yes. That's a really that good question. Really good. Most of them are. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. Uh, but I want to I want to uh, take you back yes. a little bit to responding to his question cuz um I think it's very important. And, and I want to liken it to this. Uh, you know that I have ulcerative colitis slash Crohn's. I don't know. I've, I, and and you know as a, <gasps> a a roommate every once in a while in Vegas, <laughs> he's he's had to suffer through a lot of issues, right. you know, and uh and uh, I apologize to a lot of people out there for that. But anyways, <laughs> um, you know, what was fascinating to me is clinically, and, and I can I can tell you personally, and then I want to sh- I want you to share your story because it goes back to yeah, his question answer. of it how do you, how do you become do. a CEO of your health um, in this modern era? So I'm on very high-end medicine. I've been, I've walked the gamut on every possible thing to try to at least alleviate some of my ulcerative colitis and Crohn's. Um, I've been introduced to, to peptides, the B150, BP157, peptide it's been obviously helping with me with my inflammation whatever the hell's going on very obvious it's working. some of us yeah. It, wow. it's, <laughs> yeah it's working but you know what that i wouldn't have even known that i wouldn't have even had my mind open enough to even consider how i can better my health without the perspective of you which is not an md who right. a gastroenterologist that i've working with for a long time that's an example well, of how being did you, a, well, just before you answer how did you even get to mm, to this stage because i think a, a lot of people question. Just end up at with an HMO, go to see one person. That, I think yeah. that's what I'm trying to get to is like opening up people's mm. mind to do some research and to get to other alternative I, ideas. I think number one is my anchor and my background in sports and, and athletes. I think that uh, traditionally athletes are much more attuned to their bodies and right. they're always trying to get an edge. You're obviously, I don't want to say limited, but you're, there's agencies obviously that control what you're allowed to do to your body as an athlete. Right. But if you're not regulated, if you're not competing, um, why not be able to utilize the best that that's medicine a, has to offer? I think that's a great point. Would you, you probably say that too, right? Question right. everything, test things, 
do your research, ask more questions, go see difference of opinions. What, what well, are some ideas? Tell us your you, story. Yeah, tell yeah. us your stomach. Like what, yeah. I mean, cause you, you shared what I had. <laughs> yeah. So I have ulcerative colitis also. And, uh, you know, sometimes I, I say Crohn's cause you're right yeah. in the beginning. Well, it wasn't right clear planned, what was yeah. what. Um, but one, one thing, one way I'd answer that is that, um, to take control of your own health, I think is, is really important. Like to basically view, I would argue that we should probably view health insurance more like car insurance. Mm-hmm. You wouldn't expect your car insurance to pay for you if you never change your oil in your car and you knew you were supposed to, you were told your, your oil check engine light came on, mm. right? So one, we have to build those mechanisms in so people get those check engine lights in their own health, I would say. But we would expect your car insurance to cover catastrophic care, right? Something happens to you that you could not control. Now we're not gonna be able to control everything, but even just philosophically, even if you have great health insurance that does cover more than catastrophic care, can you view it though? This is not meant to keep me optimal. This is not meant to prevent illness. This is meant to be here if I absolutely need it. Instead, looking at how can we invest in your health, view it as an investment. I don't think, I don't know many people. Now I see a lot of people that are really health obsessed, right? So I do see that end of the spectrum. But even then I've very rarely met people that, you know, I wish I invested less in my health. You know, I really wish I had put- Health is wealth. It really is. There's no way to put it. And there's a, and you know, I think we should always be wise stewards of the things we've been given and not be, you know, and that's what I try to help people do actually more than anything. I, I help people prioritize what is important, right? Cause there are probably a hundred things that could help me and probably help you help you advance to get one step better in your health. Right. But what is going to make the most impact, uh, be the most affordable, be the most effective for you. That's really my job to sit, sit through all the new stuff, all the old stuff, yeah. all the stuff, all the stuff, and come up with a a plan that's going to optimize your not just your your current sickness, but your long term health. Quick, quick, quick question, and then I want to keep going. But yeah, so physicians they take the Hippocratic oath, mm. and the oath is first and foremost, do no harm. Mm. I mean, that's a very number one oath that you have as a physician, as a as a as an MD. Do you, do you guys take an oath like that? And is that your perspective? Because mm. it's, it's a it's, great question. Yeah. I'd like just to know your perspective on that. So the naturopathic, uh, you know, standard of care, there's something called the therapeutic order and, uh, it's something that we could, you know, share, I can share a link to, Sure, it helps really people understand this is what, if I was being judged by my peers in a courtroom for sure, mm-hmm. this is what I'd be held to it, Did I follow the naturopathic standard of care, the therapy court, the six naturopathic principles. The first one is in Latin, prenum nom no ser, do first no. do no harm. The way that gets interpreted. So that's the first principle and the first part of the Hippocratic oath. There's obviously more to it. What we're held to standards. Um, the biggest thing there is, uh, and I can share from my perspective, first do no harm could mean you need to take this statin because you could possibly have an issue with it. cardiovascular disease in the future based on a marker of LDL now. Therefore, first doing no harm is giving you this med. No discussion on are there side effects. Could it be you know destroying the yeah. CoQ10 supply that fuels the mitochondria? Could there be muscle weakness? These are all known side effects. We're not, we're not just coming up with stuff, but first do no harm to me would be maybe don't do that. Is there, can we do three months of lifestyle change and then potentially the difference between physical therapy and surgery, for example, well, you you may be taking an oath that says do no harm, but what you just described could potentially be doing harm, right? Yeah. One example I had, I was giving a, giving some prescription, you know, because that's a lot of what typical Western medicine has been is, you know, come see me, 
No matter what you say, we're going to gonna have a <laughs> small conversation. We're not going to do any type of blood work or you're going to write a prescription and move well, on. And they're limited by managed care. They can't even they can't even practice medicine the way they want to anyways, if you really want. I we're mean, generalizing to <laughs> yeah, a yeah, bit. Sorry. And I am too. I like <laughs> to. I don't want to. Yeah, yeah, that's easy for us back. to say. We yeah. don't, we don't yeah. have a license or anything. <laughs> I like to, to be supportive. Yeah. yeah. So but this is all hyperbole <laughs> until you talk. So it's I, the idea that, yeah, like we first doing no harm um, should really be informed consent is really what it comes down got to. It, got and it. And okay. even if the answer is we don't know. Yeah, I, I appreciate at least when a medical doctor, you know, and I refer to a specialist or mm-hmm. someone sees their primary when I'm out of network for them, that at least they say we don't know. Although I think the worst thing that could be communicated is it won't work. What if that person, you know, I've seen all sorts of diet, nutrition things work for patients when I look objectively at their data before and after. Things that I probably wouldn't have necessarily recommended mm. But part of it was that they believed they were helping their health. That's an interesting point. And they stuck with it, and they did it. And uh, you know what? There's something to that, and there's a lot to that, actually. Uh, so what, what is what is just like, let's just take somebody who's on the way beginning side of this journey mm-hmm. of maybe progressive health care from the standpoint of this could be maybe the first podcast that they've been hearing mm-hmm. something like, oh, wow, I've never really thought about health care progressively. Yeah. It's more of like, I don't feel good. I got to go to the doctor type of thing, or I broke my leg or something like that. But but if someone is just starting off on the journey and they're coming to see you, what are mm. some of the first preliminary questions that you're going to ask? What are, mm. what are uh, you're going to, they're going to fill out a chart and what's the conversation like? Right. Yeah. They early on, it, it really is their goals. You know, we, uh, the VA actually talks about their whole health, veterans health um, as a veteran. The whole idea is that um, basically it's not what's the matter with you. It's what matters to you. And it's a nice slogan. So That's I actually true. wish yeah. I had thought of yeah. it, but um, <laughs> you know, it, it really is a simple way of changing that conversation of, um, okay, this, this, and this, what are your symptoms? Okay. That matter. I care what your symptoms are. And I use that word actually more broadly than even conventional medicine usually does. A symptom could be, you know, I feel a little less sharp than I did last year. You know, I've started noticing uh, my skin doesn't look as good. That objectively doesn't really matter to your primary care. But to me, it does. If I care about your health, your, your level of hydration might affect the way your skin looks. Um, how clear your eyes are, there could be a sign of jaundice. Like the, the art of physical exam has actually mm. gone out the window. If you looked at some older, really good physicians, MDs. The, the art of medicine. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So emergency doctor. Well, are, are you see, is that because people are doing a lot through electronic Zoom and so there's not, it's not as oh, easy to. Oh, that's interesting. Right, because there's a lot yes. of there's a lot of healthcare that's going on right a now lot. That, that's been done electronic telemedicine, yeah. Where they're it's hard to you know it's pixelated. It, you know maybe they're not even paying any attention to the Zoom. Maybe the people so the aren't even on the video. Of the, right, it's good just, faith. A good faith examination has changed. Yes, yeah. oh, a lot. And so huh. I think there's a lot that you can see just by the way someone interacts. I think I love when I get to see, let's say, a couple and get to meet the husband and the wife or whatever because I start seeing interrelational dynamics that could <laughs> stress. I had a patient today that was you know on a, on a ski trip. And, uh, you know, you think they wouldn't be stressed, but they, and they said they were less stressed than their average life, but they were clearly stressed. You know, they were clearly stressed. They're dealing with a lot of different stressors with their work and family and the way that affects their health. And I can pick that up in a visit. I I did objectively ask them to rate their stress also, Mm -hmm. and they did rate it 9.9 out of 10. So thankfully they were aware, but, um, I could have picked that up without them giving me that. Do you see that a lot with patients where you are picking something up, but they're not admitting to it, which, so you have to diagnose something that maybe that they're not acutely aware of. Uh, maybe not self-aware in the beginning. And okay. I think, uh, so that's why, you know, I usually, when I sit down with a, a blood work panel, I don't do a ton of naturopathic, um, like stool analysis and heavy metal testing. There's a lot of cool things you can learn. 
usually those aren't necessary to start this journey, like you're asking. So I like to do usually a pretty, I mean, the panel that we ran, for example, pretty extensive blood work. it's still pretty extensive, but it's four tubes. We're not taking, you know, half a pint of blood. I almost or, fainted anyway. Uh, That's what I do. I do that, <laughs> four, three, I do that four times I can't, by the way, I can't, I can't watch him put the needle in my uh, arm. I have that. What do you call that? Uh, no one cares. Yeah, um, so a yeah. pretty basic panel can be done. Um, can be done pretty easily. Vasovagal. Yeah, vasovagal. Uh, thank you. Um, yeah. <laughs> thank you, doctor. You can get pretty good data, and some insurances will cover certain things. But at a minimum, you should know what's going on in your body. Yeah. And uh, is, you know, and blood work is probably the easiest way to start. Right? It's probably the easiest way to start. That a lot of insurance companies will at least give you um, the basics. Now, I do like um, you know fasting insulin is actually a great marker. Um, Paul Saladino, carnivore MD. You guys should get him on the show sometime. But he uh, lives in Costa Rica now. But he was uh, he did some functional medicine training. Um, you know, I love learning from people that they call themselves astronaut. Well, he called himself an astronaut. I call myself an astronaut in some ways too. Like, meaning I might go to the moon. Like, do you need to bathe in hydrogen water for the next year and see if your skin gets better? Like, I don't know. Like, is that, but somebody is that might do that, right? Yeah, someone they, or someone might, that? someone might yeah. turn this room, <laughs> like turn their bedroom into a hyperbaric chamber, right? Cost, I don't know how many million to do that. Yeah. Are we going to see telomere length differences? Are we going to see biologic age reversal? Are we going to see less joint pain? I don't know, you know, but should Tom Brady do it or someone else? Potentially, and we well, can learn if, from if them. If you're in an ambulance, here's how I see it empirically. The first thing that you do from a hyperbaric standpoint, and, and it's oxygen. Oxygen heals is the basic concept for hyperbaric mm. medicine. The first thing you do if you're going in an ambulance, they, they put the get put the oxygen mask on there it's yes. almost implicit uh, i'm yeah, not i'm we're, not we're talking it. about the journey of i know health. i'm just saying yeah, yeah but what, what he's saying is is like not everything can be for everyone absolutely right? and there has to be certain levels so we're talking at the beginner stage just getting a, a, a pretty extensive blood panel that's covered yeah that makes sense mostly amongst yeah but even still like even just getting one panel every you know, X amount of years is not going to give you enough, no. right? Like, no, it should be year to year. And I think the other things or even are, if not more, the yeah, things what do you I ask think? a yeah. patient is like, I, I like objective markers, like how many hours of sleep, but I care, like, are you waking up feeling refreshed? Yeah. You know, for men in their forties and above, are you waking up with erections more often than not? That's yeah. actually 10 years before any cardiovascular disease generally we'll see a decrease in morning erections. Like there's some really interesting self-awareness things that like uh, I had a 76 year old patient today you know, he's had multiple heart surgeries, things like that. And I did get to that part of the exam. I just, when I was talking to him, just said, Hey, like how is erectile function? And he like laughed, like he hasn't had erection and he's on eight different meds. So is it the meds? Is it his heart condition? Is it blood flow? Like there's a lot of factors. Now I got to peel back all those and that's not his goal. So I'm not going to say, yeah. but it's a sign, you know, could he have, could we have figured that out in his fifties prevented four heart surgeries, yeah. multiple, you know, he can't, he can barely walk now from his last, he has an aortic aneurysm. Like Jesus. Okay. And the reason I say that is that, um, you know, I, I do a lot with hormones, right? I do a lot yeah. with testosterone because there, especially for men, there is, there are molecules that we know signal healing in the body. There's basic physiology. We know there's certain things that signal to break down things in your body. And there's certain things that tell your body to build things up. And so I look at, is your body able to heal itself? Do you have the innate ability you we're all born with it we are all born with it and we probably all have somewhat differing degrees probably elite athletes have a better ability to recover um than than most not necessarily train at a higher level some do obviously the mental side the mental side is a big part but your ability to recover is key for health and so it's we really think of less about homeostasis that's the word that we always use oh i'm in balance it's actually homeodynamics how far can you be stretched and how quickly can you return to optimal? And that's because every cell in our body is doing that, right? It's being stretched, it's being pushed, and that's returning. So I ask, 
you know, how long does it take you to recover from a workout? Is it taking longer? So I like to do you versus you because that's objective. Even if there's not a marker that says, if that same workout used to take you one day to recover, you do it again, you know, 48 hours. Now it takes you a week. That's objective. I don't care what, I, I do care what your hormones say behind that and what your levels say, but I care more about those objective markers that you versus you is going to benefit you. In, in addition to that, I'm always a, not wanting to look at the medium or the median, but looking at the optimal yes. and looking at the optimal specific to me, right? Yes. So my height, my weight, my skill set, like what, how I would view my energy level. So mm. all of those different things and then tweaking all of them. So now we're probably starting to get from a beginner level into a more advanced right. level. And what are some of the, what are some of those things? So you've kind of walked us through a little bit on the beginning stage. Now let's take somebody that has started the journey is maybe a couple years in. They're like, I just want to keep continuing to, you know, see where this can go, right? They maybe they they have done the blood work, but you would say, what are some of those questions? Someone who, who probably understands the basics. Yeah, I do think um, the term that I've usually kind of looked at: get into the body what it uniquely needs, and get out of it what it uniquely doesn't need. And some of that is personally determined. You know, I think uh, a few podcasts recently, like Joe Rogan had Gary Breck on, super interesting, ten X health. That's very similar to how I think actually. He promotes everyone getting an epigenetic test to um, to see. I can learn a lot from basic blood work generally and an intake on what your epigenetics probably say. What would um, an epigenetic test? What what would that entail? How do you take it, and then uh, what does that? What does it spit out? Most it's a it's like a salivary test, so you can spit into a tube, basically your cheek swab. Um, there, you know, there are a few hundred dollars usually. Um, there is a way you can take like 23andMe data and run it through other. It's basically looking for um, genes, subsets of genes. Yeah, or? subsets of genes. So those are, um, you know, MTHFR is kind of the biggest one that will affect fertility. It affects your methylation pathways. Um, I'm sorry, what MTHFR? It's called the. Uh, you guys are saying I don't. I don't swear. So the, that's right. The, the mother yeah. gene. So yeah, yeah. I know you guys <laughs> swear on this podcast, but, um, but anyway, MTHFR. Um, and then there's about eight other markers of methylation. Um, generally, you'll have a slightly increased mean corpuscular volume on your regular CBC that could tell me if that's even an issue for you. But anyway, methylated bees are often low in patients that, you know, don't eat enough good animal products, which I say good in the sense that we're all being challenged with that just with our food supply. But, um, so methylation's big. There's one called COMT, like how, but you can answer a lot of these questions. Like, can you drink coffee and fall asleep? Right. Are you a slow metabolizer or a fast metabolizer? Coffee's not the first perfect example, but like I'm a, I have a slow COMT gene. I detox caffeine slower than the average person. And so I have, I have roommates, you know, in the army that could drink caffeine and fall asleep, right? I can't, it won't, even if I can, if I track my sleep with a aura ring or, and that's what I like the biometrics, I guess, to answer that median question. The next thing is, are you tracking your sleep? Are you tracking your uh, heart rate variability? It's probably the simplest marker to get. Like most watches give you your readiness score. Yeah, right? I, I track all of it, yeah. And you could test that and you could say, okay, when I when I sleep, when I get a readiness score above 80, let's just say, I feel good. You might feel fine at 70. So you know what, for what you're demanding of your body and your mind, you might need um, 70 or above and that's your baseline. But you know what, could you do something to take it from 70 to 75 this year, potentially? Um, you know, is there, could you drink less alcohol potentially? Whatever the case may be, um, could you get 30 more minutes of sleep? Could there be a supplement before bed that personally for you would actually raise that consistently? Right. And because uh, I can tell you what the data would say and suggest maybe five options. And I'll probably choose one if that's what you want me to do as your provider. But generally, I like to give the menu of options because I, I, I view people as 
they're pretty intelligent and you're going to live with your body. Like even people I work with often, I might see them once a month, right? I'm not holding their hand. I'm not their trainer. I'm not their spouse. I'm not their uh, roommate, but so one, get those people involved in your health, you know, have accountability groups is a great option. Like I know, you know, simple things like watches, you can have your family or friends on there. See how many circle kind of fun. I like to go a little further than that with goals though. I like to, um, build in definitely rewards, but also negatives. Uh, someone, one of my friends, him and his wife did this, uh, how political do we get? Um, as as much as, as please, someone. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if there's going to be like a sex. Yeah, component. yeah, yeah. <laughs> let me know. No, this was just a fun one. There was, um, you know, height of pandemic, everything going on, lockdowns, and uh, somebody, uh, their wife was trying to make this change, and this wasn't helping them. And uh, their husband's like a success coach, you know. So yeah. he basically, uh, they agreed. Sounds toxic. They, they both sent goals, and they, you know, I think, and uh, the way he explained it, so. It wasn't just the reward. I think, it, you know, we're pretty good at that. When I do this, I'll do this. But um, some people are more motivated by the opposite. So yeah. they... Masochistic, uh, you're saying? They set a goal, like, um, <laughs> if... I think it was like, if you don't do these things that are on your health to-do list or on your goal sheet, um, you have to write, like, a letter of support to Governor Newsom and you have to donate to his campaign. Yeah, I like or that. Something. I like you that know? a lot. So what <laughs> like can we build lot. in? That's a little bit yeah. extreme, right? Yeah. But... Um, but, you know, for, it could be something a lot simpler than that. So right? that's interesting. that, that like is really that. interesting. I, I want to get into a little bit um, uh, with, with peptides and mm. testosterone and hormones. I mean, you specialize. See, that in, is more of the advanced, right, or where you're moving into. Yeah, if, of, if we don't mind getting to the next level. Because yeah. Ozempic, for example. First, I guess, let me back up. If you don't mind going to, like, let's say, third level. Yeah. Um, I understand Ozempic, for example, which is obviously in the media a lot, uh, to be able to cut weight is a peptide. Yes. I understand that as a peptide. Would you just, for people who don't understand where this is going and where medicine is going, mm. would you be first able to just kind of help us define what a peptide yes, is and good. then maybe talk about what Ozempic does and then maybe start, we'll start going into what peptides are doing and where that's going. Right. Okay. So I like that. Um, I know I keep referring to, I'm not referring to Joe Rogan. People should listen to this um, podcast, <laughs> but uh, yeah. I, I actually don't listen to Rogan much until maybe two, three, four patients in a row bring up a health related one. Cause right. He's got a lot of good content, but yeah. he has some good health content. Um, what I would say, yeah. So the basic one is like Andrew Huberman labs, get outside ground every day, sunlight. There's things that are free that you can do like basic, even without any data, the middle, the next step would be getting that objective data, some basic blood work, maybe more advanced hormone testing, um, and then also starting to track your own biometrics and seeing you versus you over time. So that's kind of the middle. The next step is really, okay, how do I go from I'm functioning, I'm okay, but you know, I got a little bit of joint pain. I got this old injury. Um, maybe you should, that's when I would say, see a functional medicine doctor, see a naturopath doctor, see if you can get it covered by insurance. If not, don't wait, you know, like to see me through my practice, optimize you that I contract at it's 179 to do a full blood panel and spend an hour with me. Most NDs are, are at least double that, and I, I love that. Just one of my missions in life was to make this more affordable. Used to work in the insurance model, and uh, glad I got to do that to start my career where, you know, patients, I wasn't... Understand the landscape. Yeah, it could be, you know, people would pay a $5 copay or, or less sometimes and get to really pick my brain. I had to do what was right for them, and uh, hope insurance did, you know, covered what it could. And if not, I got to learn basically what was somewhat covered in the system. So... Peptide therapy, uh, and I got into this mainly for my own health, right? I was um, an All-American triathlete at West Point, um, started my Army career. Two days later, I was hit by a car, fractured my femur. Um, about a month or a few months before that, I, was, I had a major head injury um, that I almost didn't commission and start my career from. Interestingly, you wouldn't think a car accident 
or a cycling accident and a head injury would necessarily be related. But uh, a few months later, I was pooping out blood, had ulcerative colitis symptoms right away. Bunch of other factors in there, uh, about 12 vaccine I'd already, vaccines I'd already gotten when I was in college. They lost my records. I had to get them again at this army base while I had a fracture. You had to get the femur. vaccines again? Yeah, all they just lined me up, and I didn't think much of it because I'd always just trusted the conventional right. system. Right. Um, again, who knows, but uh, within a week, I was pooping out blood. Never had gut issues in my life. <laughs> so the one the way that now makes sense from my understanding is the way our nervous system and our gut are connected, right? The way our, our second brain, our gut and our brain have a unique connection. We often say if you have a a head injury and then a second head injury, especially within another within a month, even if it's a low level one after a major one, we start seeing uh, blood brain barrier um, integrity issues, which is leaky brain basically, right? And now it's there's pretty good so understanding around that in the football community. Yeah. And so leaky gut and leaky brain go hand in hand. You really can't. It's hard to have one without the other, mm. whether it starts more in the brain or the gut. And so we don't understand all the mechanisms. We think it's cranial nerve number ten, vagus nerve probably controls a lot of it parasympathetic nervous system. Anyway, so I went from perfectly healthy, winning races to laying in a hospital bed broken. And then all the gut issues. I had a doctor, kind of to relate to your point, um, say there's no known cause, and this is summarized, but no known cause, no known cure, and there's really nothing you can do. And to go from, there was always something I could do for my health. I could always be one step better. I could be, as an athlete. shave 10 seconds off my half yeah. Ironman time, which, you know, over four hours, you wouldn't think is relevant, but yeah. you tell me I could improve 10 seconds, I would... I would do Absolutely. it, you know? Um, so if I can get out of transition, whatever, like do all those, like, especially as a runner and on the track, I mean, that was objectively, could I run three seconds faster and the mile would be a major win, you know? So I was looking for those little, that still sounds, you know, like more time than a sprinter necessarily, but um, you know, those little improvements could mean a lot of stuff. So I, that's how my brain was wired to then be told there was nothing I could do to stop having 30 body bowel movements a day <laughs> other yeah. than take this medication. 30. Yeah, I was pretty sick. So I was about, I, I, it's funny, I've been I, there. I'm still pretty lean, but uh, I was about 25 pounds lighter than this, about 120 pounds soaking yeah. wet. And people, my runner friends were like, you look great. You're, you must be in shape. You must yeah. be training. I'm no, like, I feel like shit. No, I actually <laughs> haven't slept in, in a month. Were you still in the hospital at this point or did, did they just send you home with medication? Uh, multiple. So I went to the hospital nine different times. Usually it was that I needed either a blood transfusion because I had lost so much blood. Could, the first time I didn't realize how low I was. Couldn't yeah. you get uh, honorably honorably discharged from ulcerative colitis. So I did, but I tried to hide it. I tried to, I really wanted to stay in. I loved what I did. I mean, the military was my three and a half years in was some of the best times I've had, you wow. know, I, I, and I had, you know, I was born in uh, upstate New York, but it was close enough on nine 11. I was in fifth grade. You know, I was young. So, but it was a, it, it meant a lot. You know, I, I understood what happened enough mm -hmm. to, it did, change my worldview in my life kind of yeah well like, a lot of people don't want honorable discharge when they want to well, continue no i'm on just the saying journey, that's how severe thank it you is for yeah. the, don't listen to a lot <laughs> of what he saying, says yeah a lot I, of it is look, i'm sure the audience so it's severe enough service. to get honorably discharged yeah. it's yeah. severe enough that's yeah, all i was saying he's just looking well, for a free paycheck he, he's he's actually part of the problem in california don't get me started well that's one reason i do what i do now i mean you um i i treat a majority if i could only treat military veterans i probably would just based on that i do think that's my calling is to help you know, others um, understand, you know, before they get to the point where I was, where I yeah. was facing, you know, second time I moved into California, went into a GI doctor, planned to just be here for six months to get um, Antivia, actually. They wouldn't yeah, give it to me up in Washington in I'm the, on through right the military. <laughs> so I moved down here. Actually, I was on a temporary retirement. It was very odd. Three years into my career being told. Sounds, so that's so sounds that like you're only three years in. Yeah. And this happens. Yeah, and yeah. it's immediately after so they lose your records, and I'm just trying to understand this. Yeah, the yeah. story is pretty wild. It happened so really get, quickly. Yeah. You get seven or another twelve vaccines all, and then yeah, yeah. So I went from uh, it was May 
2013. May 2013, graduated from West Point. Uh, 25th. 28th, was hit by a car, fractured my femur. Okay. That was a cycling accident, but it was kind of cool. It motivated me. Again, <laughs> I, I saw a functional neurologist. I saw a bunch of physical therapists. You're learning like, about your health. Yeah, it was actually a really fun. It was like, because there's a measurable thing. I wish I knew about peptides back then. Um, this injury should take three months. I wanted to try out to become an engineer diver and blow things up underwater. Whatever I thought. Yeah. That, that was, uh, I'd have been tentatively selected, like I'd selected my career path in the army to do that job. And there was a tryout in October. So I was like, I'm going to be better. I'm going to be not only better, but I'm going to be able to train by August. And, and I actually did. I went through, I had like electrodes hooked to me and I was learning to walk before I was even better. Where like should have been. Um, so that was my first, like, and I was a kinesiology undergrad. So I was already into human performance, the limits of what this body, this amazing machine we've been, you know, given can do. Um, and see the limits. So I already knew that, but to, so those were all like achievable. Like I could recover from this. Ulcerative class to be told there's not, yeah. there's no known cause. Again, did they say directly there's nothing you can do? That's what it felt like when I left the room. I'm more of a feeler, but uh, that was, I do remember there's a colonel told me, you can't fight this. You can't, you won't beat this. You need to get medically discharged. And I really fought it. Like I would, I would love to still be in uniform. And I, and they really, I, I actually now see that, hey, I can do more from this side. I treat a lot of guys that are active duty and, um, you know, obviously that are veterans too, but I want to go as far upstream as possible. I would love to get, get some this more country this stronger. Personal, well, I mean, right now they're recruiting. I mean, this is, yeah. if you want to talk about a national crisis, we literally do not have enough healthy young people, healthy men to defend our country. Wow. We, we don't. There's not, I mean, the retention rates are terrible. We probably could have stopped at healthy men. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, just in general. No, I mean, we've got a, that's a Socially, pandemic. physically. The pandemic yeah. was not about COVID, but that's a, that's a whole yeah. other story. So I, I want yeah. you to finish. So you're, yeah. so you're yeah. now on the path of, yeah. okay, now I'm going to have to do something on my own. Yeah, with no intentions of ever being healthcare. I thought maybe physical therapy to work with athletes. Yeah. Um, my sister's a PT. So I uh, I was an engineer, combat engineer. So that was my job was to lead engineer soldiers into battle, do route clearance, find find explosives, and help you know dismantle them properly. It was kind of what I thought I was doing. I got motivated when a, an officer at West Point convinced me that there was an underwater way of doing that, and you're a triathlete, and you're, you're good in the water. You should go do this. So about three officers a year get selected for that. Um, three to four, and some of my best friends, actually one of them texted me today about his health because I went back to my 10-year reunion to West Point. Everyone, five years ago, this stuff, I, I actually went on a forum and talked a little bit about what I do as a naturopath, quack doctor. Yeah. I got attacked. I was, because I was in D.C., like, and I was just seeing who else was in the area to um, lobby for integrative medicine. I got attacked. Five, fast forward five years, everyone wants my business card, wants to know what we're right. doing. Well, peptides, peptides. I mean, well, it's is, a lot more than just peptides. I know, and, they, and they saw my journey, right? Yeah. I was still sick even five, six, seven years ago when I was dealing with this. But um, so the next four years, really, after I started dealing with the gut issues, were conventional care. I was on prednisone. I was on uh, high doses for years. I was osteo, which is a catabolic agent. So again. Is my body able to heal or is it not? It's, it's basically a steroid, right? Yeah, it's, so it's a corticosteroid. It's the opposite of a good anabolic steroid. Yeah. It's actually the exact opposite. It's funny it's that they called the Atrophies, same thing. right? Yeah. So it breaks down your body, um, raises blood glucose, but I had actually lost bone density. I was 25 years old, had been an athlete my whole life. I was told, you have osteopenia. You'll have osteoporosis if we don't get you off this corticosteroid, which was the only thing that would stop me from bleeding. So I'd go in and get a big dose of solumedrol, IV corticosteroids. It'd be enough to... One, my face would get all puffy. Yeah, moon face, Yeah, right? moon face. Yeah. So I'd get on it. It would it would put out the fire, right? They saved my life. And that's conventional medicine's job. They, they helped me. I would leave and I'd get put on a taper. I'd be on 40 milligrams prednisone. I'd get down to about 20. And then I'd start having, for me, it was the bloody 
stools were a big part, but really it was the urgency. I, I couldn't walk across the street, um, you know, without yeah. going to the bathroom. And so, and that's actually still the only symptom. I still have some urgency occasionally, um, but it's very rare and it's been pretty incredible. I'm off all meds, um, off all the bio, none of the biologics really helped me that much. Humira, Remicade, Antivio. I was on methotrexate, 6MP. So the next four years after where we were, uh, at in Fort Leonard Wood, Missouri, and then Fort Lewis, Washington, um, were kind of healing. And I, and I actually, when you say healing though, what does that actually mean? Uh, so it wasn't, you, had, in the you, you have to get rid of all like conventional medicine. Right. And so you, ha and do you see someone and then, or do you just do it on your own after yeah. the research that you've done? Yeah. So I, in that journey, I kind of mixed in where people kind of gave me feedback of saying, you won't beat this. Okay. Um, there's no, what, what I knew was that there was nothing that I was trying to kill off in my body. So I, I knew, like understood there wasn't a bacteria, there wasn't a cancer, there, there was a condition. And that's what it's been really helped me and help others. Like if it's a, it's not a, dis, it's not a disease. First of all, the word disease didn't even exist till a hundred years ago. It was disc hyphen ease, a lack of ease in some aspect of your health. Um, but for me, there wasn't, it was my own cells. It really had, I had a hard time wrapping my mind around that my body is attacking itself. And they're autoimmune. Yep. That's what the autoimmune term would mean. Most people would now call ulcerative colitis an immune mediated condition, meaning there isn't an antibody to attack. Like you're not, your body's not creating immune cells to attack my colon, but it's creating an way too much of inflammation to which it's is signaling. Causing. It's basically signaling your body to just get rid of everything. Yeah. It's attacking right. everything. Yeah. So basically ulcerative colitis, fully damaged gut. Like, and so the lining of the actual intestines, most people don't think about it. The epithelial layer of the gut is only one cell thick. So when we talk about leaky gut, it's that epithelial layer. Now we have cells right behind that, that are recovering, replenishing that, that first layer, but it's only one cell thick. Everything else on top, the mucin layer, the probiotics, all that, these are all built on one cell of our own. So the only thing dividing our own immune system, 70% of our immune system sits behind our gut and the external environment is, is one epithelial layer. So that's where we talk about leaky gut. If it's at all This is just a, this is kind of a side note, but because we're talking so heavily and intense on it, is the gut one of the most un, like underrated health tools? Misunderstood. Like, or misunderstood. Yeah. Yes. Or like, uh, like it doesn't feel like it gets as much attention no. as it, maybe how important it, it is. They can't you, afford for it to be. Or how warning signs. <laughs> yeah, because it's either you're severely sick, like ulcerative colitis. And I actually say, honestly, it's easier for me to treat ulcerative colitis than it is like functional, you know, IBS, so IBS, irritable bowel irritable. syndrome. And, you know, it's, it's funny, like people in the IBD world, we tend to like get a little bit like, no, I have a, a thing that is yeah. like, it's a diagnosis and uh, not that I'm proud of it, but that's like, it is actually easier to put an X on the map and say, this is what's wrong. Well, if you label it, you can at least control it in a sense. You have right. some sense of control over it. Yeah. So functional, a lot of functional gut issues though, when I say that, meaning if we actually did a scope and looked at your Let's say large he, intestine. He just got his scope done. Last yeah. Wednesday. Yeah. You, have, yeah. you, you had a good, really good asshole, right? Is that right? <laughs> <laughs> well, I've been an asshole my whole life. Was that, the was that your first one? Yeah. That's a different experience. Did you know, by the way, we were just joking about this. I was awake. I think of the only- I was wondering. I was going to ask you that. Yeah. I was, I was the only person who- yeah. I've, I've asked no. like a hundred people and you they're like- You don't do that. You were awake? You, and you, he liked it. It was really- Did they give you the option or did you- If I would have taken the option to sleep, but then I'm like, hey, when am I supposed to fall asleep? They're like, we're already in. It just says how different. Where I have a mandatory order 
for yeah. anesthesia because yeah, they gave me. That was my first time. You're like <laughs> 75 years old. You've done this. You've done this 80 times. He's I'm like not, a regular. Yeah. He goes like optional on Saturdays. Yeah, <laughs> he's like I'm bored. You can learn to like it. Yeah, <laughs> you can learn to like it. I've had I've had eight or nine. I yeah. forget. So yeah. Yeah. have you really? Yeah, oh, yeah. I was well, asleep for all them. Well, but. when you're sick, I mean, when you're actually, you know, they're they're like, hey, what's wrong with you? Let's look again. It was a cute nurse. Oh, I'm sure it was. She thought I was cute too. How old was he? <laughs> was that your first one? Or? That was my first one, okay. and, and hopefully my last for a long time. Yeah, this was a, just a really uncomfortable situation. How did, anyway, how did the I'm prep go? I'm just curious. Like all that's this. what we were talking about. We I love to hear. There's, there's got to be a different topic that we can. Okay. Actually, I, <laughs> he, his prep was great. His colon must have been clean, but okay. he didn't drink nearly as much as I've had to, or Go some lightly, other people yeah. in the audience here have had to. He used yeah, to have it's to actually not. It's, it wasn't that bad. It was just 32 like ounces six, of fluid. 16 ounce uh, for at five five p.m. the night before, and then another 16 ounces the morning of. Wow. Yeah, that, I've never heard easy. unheard of. Interesting. Yeah, we just have to do a gallon of go lightly. Yeah, that's what I've that's heard. That's what I've heard. Is tough, you know? I know. It's funny <laughs> when you, I was warning when him about this. He goes, it's not that bad. I'm like, what? When you get to this age, you start to have the weirdest conversations with like <laughs> friends and other <laughs> yeah, people. You're like, hey, so what did <laughs> yeah, you do last week? Yeah. Uh, so anyway, okay. So we, we're, we're, we're sorry. We're, we're, let's, I, I really want to get, get peptides. Well, let's, I, let's, yeah, I want to get to the cure here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I did get medically discharged. I did leave the military, not necessarily on my own terms, but... I did realize like it was tough to heal, right? And part of it was my own like mindset that I, you know, I was an athlete. I thought I had yeah. to push harder. I actually was so lack of in tune with my body that I was still trying to, I was on the army 10 miler team for my base. Like I was training still. And it took like actually a really uh, good MD, Doc, Doc Hate. He was, um, used to be the high performance coach at Colorado Springs at the Olympic Training Center. He was, uh, with first group, the special forces group. And I was doing like this physiology test and um, pretty silly. Like looking back, I'm like, I have ulcerative colitis. I was pooping out blood 30 times a day. He put a heart rate monitor on me and I was just sitting here like this and getting ready to do like a force plate treadmill, some cool test, you know? And he's like, and they're like, yeah, your uh, heart rate's like 130 right now. Are you okay? Do you have a ton of caffeine? I used to not drink caffeine. So I was like, uh, nope. And they're like, uh, anything else? I'm like, well, I've been like pooping out blood, but it's okay. Yeah. And like, thankfully they like, the physiologist stopped what they were doing. They went and got the doctor and he was like, Hey man, like that's not normal. You should go to the, you know, see the doctor. And I was like, well, I have ulcerative colitis, but he's like, no, I'm actually going to bring you to the ER. So wow. that was my first inpatient hospitalization. Up to that point, I kind of worked through the outpatient, wow. you know, prednisone would work a little bit enough yeah. that I, I had some doctors that would prescribe it for me. It's, on the this is it's, the whole point. Yeah. This is the whole point. You were told one thing and then you kind of do it. Then you have to figure out how to live prednisone. with it. Right. And it took, yeah. how, how long was it from the time you, had the from the accident to the vaccine to the to the time that you started to do some additional proactive yeah. outside of conventional medicine was so that's probably years? 18 no it's probably about 18 months it was pretty oh, short months. thankfully okay. it was a short that's not timeline. that short well i know but a lot of people like uh, the uc starts as like you know, a little bit of blood and that's a lot and then mine thankfully was went from perfectly healthy to, to awful 20 30 bowel months. so i'm actually yeah. blessed in a lot of ways because it wasn't oh, something I like i couldn't hide it i literally uh, I think couldn't I go out. Yeah, I couldn't. And I had oh. some pretty nice embarrassing life, moments huh? along. Yeah, the, uh, nice yeah I didn't date life. for four or five years and uh, really grateful. just got married this past year. Hey, so. congratulations. Uh, thank you. So for me, um, it was actually Doc Hate. And then someone in that clinic, actually, uh, he had a broken leg. I still don't know who he is to this day. I'd love to find him. He's, he's a Green Beret. And he just uh, heard what was going on with me. He's like, hey, I heard you have ulcerative colitis. I don't really know that much about it, but 
I listened to this podcast and you know, it's <laughs> 10 years ago now and podcasts were just kind of, especially health. They weren't, there's a ton now. Right. But yeah. Bulletproof radio, Dave Asprey, he's yeah. like yeah. this guy, you know, he has um podcast coffee. Yeah. He has, so he got into it mostly because he had a few health conditions, mainly Hashimoto's and autoimmune thyroid condition. So back then, especially Bulletproof was a lot more about health. I mean, he's still, I, I like Dave Asprey. I've gone to the Bulletproof conference. Uh, you know, he, he's just done more in like the optimist, like way farther optimization now. He's like, even changed his coffee now, right? Yeah, now he's Danger Coffee. He's, but he's technically sold it. But anyway, so I never heard of any of this stuff. But his podcast, you know, would have Peter Atia. It had Mark Hyman, Functional Mess. So I started learning about these new things. And I was like, wow, there's so much out there. And had no idea because none of the doctors I had talked to had mentioned right. that there was any other options. That They told me nutrition didn't matter. I mean, in fact, when, during my hospitalizations, they'd give me Ensure, you know, and there's uh, Ensure, you know, it has like uh, high fructose corn syrup as the first ingredient, which even back then wasn't understood to be toxic. And then there's the, it's called a carrageenan or carina, which has fully been proven to actually exacerbate ulcerative colitis. Or so exacerbate. you actually changed your philosophy based off of a podcast. So it, it started planting seeds. Open your mind. So it yeah, started yeah. opening my mind enough that I was like, it started asking questions I Were still you asking questions to to yourself, and then go do research, or to somebody who is is a naturopath. No, I still to... hadn't met any naturopathic doctors. Okay. What happened? I actually met a really good DO. So uh, in the military, he actually wasn't in uniform; he was a contractor. They created a what, what was the name of it? The sixth floor of Madigan Army Medical Center. Um, they created like an integrative medicine wing of like the second largest military, third largest military hospital in the country. There's Walter Reed, San Antonio, and then Madigan. He was like a DO that did integrative, um, like he did acupuncture, he did all this stuff. And I walked in um, to this guy's office because I wanted to get acupuncture. Someone, my my PA, uh, my PA in my unit heard everything I was going through. Like, hey, you can get acupuncture now at the, I was like, okay, that might help. I don't know. I'm open to anything. Um, and he, uh, I walked in this Dr. Grinchbun, he, on his desk, he had Bulletproof Coffee. And I had just started listening to this stuff, you know, six months in, I'm, starting to try these things. And Bulletproof Coffee was kind of my gateway into all this. It was the first thing that made no sense based on what I understood right. about nutrition, yeah. carbo loading as a triathlete. I had, I was at a really low fat diet and I do think that predisposed me to a lot of the gut issues. Um, not that I necessarily needed coffee, but I didn't have, um, it was really the fats. I had almost no fat. I was afraid. I was fatophobic and I was 130 pounds. Fat doesn't make you fat. We all know that now. Good fat, bad fat. Right. There's, I mean, all this. I had no idea. Yeah. I just knew. I just thought low fat. You know, I never uh, high protein. I never really looked at sugar though. I was eating. I was consuming a ton of sugar to fuel my workouts back then. I mean, it was. And that's insane. that's the that's the killer. Yeah. Yes. Right. Like we, we know that now. Yes. Yeah. By the right. way, smoking smoking they they've banned flavors, right? But you walk down uh, aisle eight and you have a child and you have Kellogg's or Frosted Flakes with cartoon characters. And they're pushing sugar. I yeah. would argue that sugar is probably the most lethal thing we have in our system right now. Right. And yet, you know, they're going after tobacco first, where I would argue sugar could potentially be even worse for you then. Yeah, I think but. the studies are slowly showing that. So, okay. So Sorry. anyway, <laughs> the two things that really helped me um, eventually, even with, uh, I got diagnosed with C. difficile. C. diff is a deadly bacteria. So I finally, there was a thing to something. This is really where my, okay, I was had all these seeds planted. I'm reading these podcasts. I'm trying a few supplements and things. Nothing's really healing me. I, again, I think if I had found those things before, you know, two years of medications and stress and all that, maybe we would be different. Like if I, but I, I didn't really, once I was on those meds, it was hard to get off of them. Um, C. diff was all of a sudden, I was in the hospital about to get, um, 
you know, do a regular solumedrol pump, maybe a blood infusion, get sent home after five days. Regular at that point. Every three months I was getting something like that just to keep it alive, basically. Um, C. diff is a deadly bacteria that can colonate the um, gut, usually after antibiotics. So C. diff is caused by antibiotics. The treatment... Don't a lot of people die at the hospital? Yeah, it's a, it's a nosocomial infection, meaning it, it gets spread in hospitals very easily. Yeah. So whenever I'd go to the hospital really sick, the first thing they would do is screen me for C. diff. Huh. I had never been positive until I actually started getting a little better, a little better, and then I had a positive C. diff. And they always did it. It was nice, so I'd get my own room in the hospital. <laughs> the Army hospital, a lot of times you have three, four. However That's why actually people. when we go now, he gets me my, my own room. <laughs> <laughs> part of my C. diff probably. Hey, hey, look at that. <laughs> but, um, but I test positive for C. diff, and all of a sudden it went from, oh, you're going to be in the hospital for a few days, we're going to get this inflammation under control, to here's an antibiotic, go home. And I'm like, mm. I still have all the same symptoms. Took the antibiotic, went home, didn't really get any better. So uh, after a month of really feeling bad, I went back to the hospital, and they're like, oh, you have ulcerative colitis. I'm like, I know I have ulcerative. They're like, well, you don't have C. diff. And I'm like, I have all the same symptoms. So I realized when you wipe out things in the gut, when you just disseminate the gut, the first things that grow back are usually the weeds, candida, C. diff. So my gut had been so destroyed that as I started healing it again, and somewhat theoretical, but C. diff came up and then it came up again um, shortly after. Now, um, steroid refractory ulcerative colitis, meaning you, you're not getting better, you're not inducing remission with, with um, prednisone. prednisone you will now be eligible for fecal transplant um, after one positive C. diff. So fecal microbiota transplant uh, got on my radar after I had two positive C. diffs that no one could explain that my symptoms weren't different. Now, usually full C. diff, like real C. diff is like really watery stools, um, smells terrible. It's like the, every doctor that has been around C. diff, they, whereas mine, spell. again, I'm not saying my poop doesn't stink, but it, it didn't, right? They were all like surprised. Or like, How did I know at some point you would you would drive a podcast where this is exactly yeah, we're, what we're, we're talking, talking about? about shit. It's fucking dinner time right now. I am. I need a minute. Yeah. We, there's, that was the now, limit. Now, you do understand what fecal means, right? Okay. <laughs> so, so we're talking about poo, and now he's going to transplant someone else's poo yeah. in his fucking stomach. Uh, it yes. wasn't about not understanding. Okay. okay. When we started talking about how bad the smell was yeah that's where at some point i just had to talk to your doctor hospital friends you know, yeah, and, and yeah if yeah, you ask him ask actually him. don't <laughs> i actually don't based on this conversation i don't think that there's any reason to have this conversation <laughs> can we get to the, to yeah. the solution yeah, yeah. yeah. i'm yeah. so tired of the fucking problem okay right. so so we puts... understand your gut is completely <laughs> fucked all right so that's not the medical way to say yeah, it but yeah, i yeah. want to yeah. <laughs> give me to the, yeah. the solving the problem okay so yes conventional medicine was oh steroids didn't induce remission Let's try biologics. Biologics for many patients work, about 50-50. The interesting thing about the research is as long as you're 1% better, right? So when Antivio came out, and now it's been on the market for five, ten, ten, probably 10 years now or more, they're you know 3 to 5% better than Remicade, yeah. generally, for inducing remission in moderate to severe ulcerative colitis. That, that means that there's 45% or so of patients that didn't respond that it wasn't effective for. I was one of those. So it's not like I'm that... It wasn't that crazy. You're not responding to anything. I wasn't responding to anything. So, so you get the fecal transplant. So, no, I actually moved down oh. here to get Intivio. This is now three or four years into the, the journey. And I was ready to give up. So they the, the conventional option at this point was to remove my colon. So the answer was take out the large intestine. That the At this point, Jeez. the treatment, the corticosteroids have done more damage than help. Therefore, 
the only thing that we can do is remove your colon. Your then whole you colon. won't have ulcerative colitis. The whole deal. Just I was going to have the entire colon. Attach your small intestine to your fucking anus. The goal is or to be able to do a J-pouch surgery. They have to be able to spare the rectum. So I don't know how much you want to talk about this, but um, <laughs> <laughs> if you can't spare the rectum, though, they, they couldn't promise hey, me that. So hey, Look, the good news is he, okay, so get to the point where you didn't have to do that. Okay, so I didn't have to do that. So someone, um, <laughs> sounds kind of crazy, but someone prayed over me that I'd get fecal transplant. I'd never really heard of it. I, I, I did briefly heard a podcast. Praying for him to get one. Um, someone prayed over me. I was like, well, I looked it up. The only places they were doing it were Australia. Same, and that place was getting attacked. Um, place in Canada was offering it. Place in England. Uh, Tameout Clinic. And I forget the one in Australia. But they were all getting under fire because they knew. I mean, these drugs that I was on were costing. I mean, Antivio is 20,000 20, yeah. infusion. And it used to be more. And the newer ones are probably going to be more than that. Um I ended up getting a fecal transplant through UC San Francisco. So they had a clinical trial, which I, anyone that's dealing with stuff like this, clinicaltrials.gov. It's always worth just looking. What, what's the research going on? Clinicaltrials.gov has thousands of research all over the country. You can type in, for instance, stem cells. See, what are they, what are they studying stem cells in China for? You know, they'll, they'll be oh, on. So this is, this is um, international. So not just what they're doing in the U.S. Super interesting. And that's a really fun thing to look at. Okay, you type in ulcerative colitis. What studies are going on in the U.S.? Global. What studies really are like going the on? Stem cell idea. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. That's, so, a, that's a great topic. That. Yeah, so we could look into all that, but it's fun to look at why are we doing this research versus not? Right, we're one of two countries in the world that allow direct to consumer marketing of pharmaceuticals. Mm -hmm. Us in New Zealand, um, and they have anyway. Super interesting for me. Fecal transplant took me from thirty bloody bombs a day on. I think I was on twenty milligrams prednisone again. I couldn't get below that. To overnight, less than ten bowel movements, no blood was able to get off prednisone over the next few months. It was incredible. And I'd also met a functional medicine practitioner at my school, Bastyr University. So Institute for Functional Medicine, probably the most legitimate training in functional medicine for any MD, ND, chiropractor, anyone that wants to get like a little more of this framework. Uh, I'm really grateful because I saw it, had seen an ND, I had seen some DOs, but no one had really been like, hey, look, your body can heal itself until this chiropractor who teaches for functional IFM, her daughter had Crohn's. Anyway, she was the first one that sat me down and said, look, your body can heal itself. And I was like, she's like, do you believe that? And I was like, well, it hasn't yet. So I, how can I, I don't have a- On the fence. Yeah, I'm <laughs> like, I would love to believe that. I, I It sounds great, but yeah. I haven't experienced that. Why hasn't my body healed itself? Um, you know, I've been trying. I've been doing these different diets. I've done the specific carbohydrate diet. I'd try these things. So I believe fecal transplant was the signal to start healing. Getting off all the meds was definitely important. I did a lot of different supplements, um, Ultra Inflamex. I like Metagenics brand really did help me, I would say. Um, and then that's where peptides came in because I got healthy enough to get down to about five milligrams of prednisone. I just couldn't get off the last little bit. I wish I had understood more of what I know about hormones now, the way corticosteroids long-term will affect your DHEA levels, your testosterone levels. Um, but still, no one had ever looked at my hormones at that point, even though my body's ability to heal itself. The gut lining is new every three to six days. My goodness. Like mm. I, so probably mine was closer to the six or more days. Mm. But someone that's got a great gut, their epithelial lining is probably entirely new every three days or so. It's incredible. And don't quote me. I'm not a scientist. I'm a practitioner. I, I use things that I know are close enough to true that yeah. can help that person get better. For me, I wasn't healing. Um, no matter what, even if I got the best drug on the market and it worked for me, like when Antivios worked for you or anyone else, that drug did not heal the gut. The body still healed itself. So no matter what, even the fecal transplant that signaled for healing, it, that wasn't what healed it. There was still an innate healing response that 
cause those cells. It just allowed your body to heal itself. Right. Or and so, triggered. Exactly. Body. Okay. So peptides are really, that's where they come in. Well, peptides, so can you say what, what I, I don't know what a peptide is. Yeah, so peptide, the, the classification, so any molecular biologist be like, well, of course peptides are can do things. Peptides are anything, 40 amino acids or less, both that exist in the body, any combination. So you could do any little combination of this amino acid, this, which amino acids are the building block of proteins, right? There's about 7,000 that have been isolated so far in the human body. We don't understand nearly what most of them do. Just like there are, you know, about 100 hormones in the body. We understand what those do, though. We can measure them in the blood. We know generally how many you should have, how many free testosterone molecules you should have in your body, how many molecules of T4, thyroid hormone, you should have in your body. We don't understand who should have what amount of peptides in their body. But we know they're in there um, in different parts. BPC-157 is one of the best researched and best understood body-protecting complex 157, 15 amino acid longs. We actually, they believe it's, they know it's been isolated in human gastric juice. They believe that is the reason that your stomach doesn't eat itself. Everyone's stomach is so acidic that even physiologists can't really explain why. Why doesn't everyone have burning gastric ulcers that just wrecks their lining? Because of and, the acidic, acidity that breaks down food. You're yeah, about. we need that to break down food. Um, and we need bicarbonate then in the small intestine to buffer it. We understand the buffer system, but we don't understand how the body, um, how that doesn't break down. So they think BPC is the thing <laughs> that really um, protects it. So we can take BPC in a capsule form and actually see it help heal the intestinal lining at a faster rate. And now a lot of people are injecting it because they're seeing it do the same thing at joints. So I, I've seen it shine in post-surgical patients if we inject it near it or at least close. Shoulders, it really shines well. And a lot of right. my guys... Is this uh, one injection no, so generally we're going to do it daily. So it's a signal. Peptides okay. are generally signaling molecules, just like a hormone. Hormone's a signaling molecule. It docks onto a, a receptor and tells the nucleus of the cell generally to release a different transcript of RNA that tells the body to build or do something. Generally, that's what peptides are doing too, just at a different level. So you can take a peptide and cure a shoulder or improve a shoulder? Well, yes. So okay. I really, where peptides shine, I would say, one, they're non-toxic, generally non-invasive. Some better injected overall. There's a few that, I mean, the big research is on who can make the best peptides orally bioavailable. Can we get them through the stomach lining? Can we get them absorbed systemically? And right now they're 100% through, uh, through a BPC through is the only one that, uh, that I've seen work really well orally. There's a few others, and there's a few companies that are really trying, and I'm excited to kind of be on top of that research. And I would argue there's a lot more companies trying than we realize. So um, someone came on Rogan recently and talked about there's at least 200 peptides that Merck alone are working on to patent. And, and that's, that's where it gets... Which is, by the way, why the FDA is banning this shit. Because now you have the government. Now but they you haven't have, banned it yet. So what is... what is, what is the, the, Well, they have. They've classified them as potentially dangerous because they're not going to be considered dangerous. I mean, I honestly, at this point in my clinical practice... But that's not banning giving, them, right? giving No, it's not, but it's threatening... If anything was to go wrong with one like peptide right from a compounding pharmacy, <laughs> right? So there's some over here if you want to shoot th it. There's a compounding <laughs> pharmacy in, uh, you know, in the area that got threatened for making peptides um, by yeah. the pe people inspecting. So they have they wow. make all kinds of meds. They make you know different formulations. And the main thing a compounding pharmacy does is personalize your treatment plan. So let's say you have your mom's on a thyroid condition, right? And she, uh, but she's also gluten intolerant. Standard thyroid medication has gluten in it. That's crazy. There's so Not many patients with thyroid conditions that have gluten intolerance. But anyway, you can compound a thyroid medication that doesn't have gluten in it. That's so you. So this is so fascinating in so many different ways. So you would go, or you went. Yeah. I'm, I'm I'm so into, I'm so curious about this. But you would go do your blood work, and then you would go through 
like a like almost like a Q and A of what's ailing you, and then you're gonna create a potion of peptides based on this. So that's probably what I should do in my business model. But uh, thank you for laying out. So that's what like 10x Health and a lot of these, I wouldn't call them cookie cutter, but they're 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 providing really good care. I, I think personalized medicine. That's what Peter Atia's clinic, for example, like very high end. I think it's thousands and thousands of dollars to start. I could be wrong. I don't quote me on that, but um, most of these models are very expensive because they're truly personalized. Right now I'm incorporating peptides into what it was primary care at the Center for Health and Wellbeing. So I was doing primary care. You come in for a standard checkup with the doctor. I follow up with you and review all your labs and kind of go through your health goals. And I saw peptides just start shining in patients with rheumatoid arthritis and any gut issues, but this definitely is direct assault on pharmacology on the pharmaceutical business. Well, so yeah, I mean, case study here, right? I was, Which I cost the have. government. If I was in the hospital every three to four months uh, or four times a year when I was in the military, I was on Antivio. I mean, we're talking two, three, four, five hundred $500,000 probably minimum yeah. uh, for my health. I, thankfully I had military insurance. It helped cover it. I get off all that. I was paying nothing for my health at the time. I mean, I, I might have bought a few supplements here and there, but I got off all that and I spent a, probably a few thousand dollars on my health in the first few years, which isn't a lot. Some people spend way more. Um, I wish I had probably invested even more, but you know, a, a bottle of let's say BPC 157 right now, about 150 bucks for a two month supply. So it's expensive. It's not cheap. So for, forgive me. This is, you said BP 157. Body protecting complex 157. It's probably that's, one, that's of the, one amino it's acid, like the which is one, I mean, peptide. Sorry, one peptide that's a collective which, of which, amino acids. Okay. Which has been shown to have healing real food. or healing improvement in... I can attest to it. <laughs> well, in, a, in a variety of different Most symptoms. Most of them or, were animal studies. So that's the challenge. That's why if you went... So right, if you were talking about medical doctor... With me because so much. Of, yeah, I, I did. I, I, I read the Tony Robbins book. I read the Peter Atia book. And a lot yeah. of them do talk about peptides. Are these these kind of standard ones that have been researched and yes. tested? Yeah, okay, but there's so not a lot of human data. But there's pep, there's practitioners like me and Peter Atia that have used... You know, I've, I would argue I've used more peptides than... Most practitioners, um, mm -hmm. there's a few great practitioners in the area. The problem is if we, like, I don't advertise that I do peptide therapy. In fact, my, my clinic has asked me to stop and we'll see if I do or not. I'm going to still do it through my private practice yeah. because, Fuck and off. it's not because they're dangerous. <laughs> it's not because they're illegal. It's because they've been classified as potentially dangerous. They went from overnight. They were, they were yeah. normal. They were unregulated basically, which isn't good either. I, I don't, I'm not pushing for no regulation. I'm pushing for that practitioners can use what is best and that we can source well, them properly. Well, also too, I think to your point, we're looking for real data that has not influenced, like yeah. medicine can't be influenced by- A Dollar. By fine, by, <laughs> by money, because then it's not true medicine. We're, we're it, medicine should be nonprofit to some level, right? Right, um, right. and I, my goal will eventually be that peptides- and For I some of the research and then certainly for the regulation. Yeah, the regulation needs to be that way. So there's yeah. there's definitely a pharmaceutical interest. I mean, the minute that semaglutide, which is the active, it's the peptide that now Ozembic is. Ozembic did not patent semaglutide. Semaglutide is the weight loss drug that everyone's talking about. There's a need for it. It helps type two diabetics get out of. It actually improves cuts your sugar. Yeah, it cuts your glucose, but basically it's an agonist. What I really like about most peptides, if I want to just kind of generalize, I actually do have high high glucose. It's one of the one of the my bio or biomarkers that it's, it's always ran a little bit high. Huh. Um, for for a couple of different reasons, but there are peptides that can reduce some of that sugar and potentially. So potential. I don't again. Semaglutide is probably my least favorite of the therapeutic forty ish peptides that I've used. Um, okay. 
It still is great though. It's a GLP-1 agonist. You don't need to know all this, but anything that's an agonist, less than 2% of the pharmaceuticals on the market, from my understanding, are agonists, meaning they support a pathway in the body. Almost everything is an antagonist. Oh, I see. A beta blocker, right? Okay. A statin that sure. blocks HMG-CoA reductase, right? So almost everything we do are turning so this off works pathways. with your body. Yeah, so almost everything in the peptide world are actually stimulating pathways. And I do believe in the next 10 years, and maybe I'm wrong about this, that even something like testosterone, we'll find peptides that can stimulate the receptor where we can actually take you from, you know, three, four, 500 to 1,000 to 1,200, yeah. wherever we're aiming for the total to be free around 2025. Ideally, without, right now we have to replace it, right? Testosterone yeah. replacement can be a great tool. It can be very helpful, but you don't, it's not your levels of 400 plus 600. Right. It is, it is 1,000 is what we're giving you. So let me ask you a question just from the sheer numbers of it. You said that there are 40 that are pretty popular right now and have been researched. Yeah. There's an additional 200 that there's a lot of research that are going least, on right now that we don't least, know about, yeah. but at least in the general, but there's 7,000 total. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we're just scratching the surface. There might be more than that. There's at least, well, and you, yeah. you wonder, I, I hate to, the, you wonder what the role of AI is going to play in this. Hmm. Well, that's a different story, but hold on. Just yeah, sticking, on, is, to, uh, sticking on peptides, yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. A, it's certainly something we can cover, but peptides, are they just saying this is, it's almost like Bitcoin 10 years ago. It's something where it's yeah. like, we don't want to let this cat out of the bag and there could be some, more natural things. Well, think can, why? These, no, the money. health industry is making millions of dollars on us being That's just sick. wild. So, so they're, yeah. they're, now they're making great money on Ozempic, are, right? Are you? Yeah. No, so if sure. they can do are that you, with every peptide. Are you concerned from a business standpoint if, on the peptide? Is that something that you consider mm. or think about? Would it be awesome if someone, if I could write a prescription, you just tore, you know, your rotator cuff, you tore um, part of your, your labrum. If I could write a prescription, you could go to CVS and pick up an auto injector of BPC-157 or it would be called something else, right? Yeah. Um, what they might be able to patent is the delivery mechanism and the dosing plan. That's what Ozembic did. They, they didn't, as far so as we know- it wasn't the actual molecular structure that they patented. Right. It no. was the distribution of the actual medicine. But that's yes. why Ozempic has, there's like three or four of them. Ozempic's just the most popular, right? It's because right. of the mechanism. Yeah, because none of them, and Wagovi is a higher dose that's now been FDA approved for weight loss. There's now trizepatide, which is a GIP and a GLP. Super interesting stuff. Yeah. I, I, I love... I would love to understand all that's happening at the farm. But these are companies. antagonists? That's an antagonist? No, that is an agonist. So that okay. is, it's funny. It, it causes you to vomit and like have crazy bowel. Like it can cause a bunch of GI issues and has a, of the peptides, semaglutide has probably the most side effects, like, Got it. like superficially, but internally it's very safe. It's one of the safest mechanisms, I would say, of things out there that we're Pe using medically. Peptides have been shown for this idea of longevity and in, in increasing the cellular structure to have a longer active health life, right? Like right. longevity and health life are the, the, the number can be different, right? But yeah. what, what are your, maybe what's your strategy around that? Is it, is it different for treating a rotator cuff as it is to say somebody who's like, Hey, I'm 44. I, you know, I don't have kids. I want to have kids later in life. So I want to make sure that I'm right. going to live or have the ability to move when I'm 85. Well, that's where peptides do come in because there are what, what brings most people into, let's say, a men's health clinic now, and they get started on testosterone, which I help a lot of people, and I think it's a great tool, but they still want to have kids. Let's say they're 44. They might have low testosterone, but I may not use, it may not be the right time to use testosterone. Now, I'm, I'm actually helping a lot of people get on and off properly um, because I think that's the unfortunate. The business side would say, hey, come do testosterone, which is great, but it doesn't need to be monitored. We should do your blood work at least every three months. And you know what? Your fertility is going to be lower while you're on it. You could have these side effects. Peptides don't really have a lot of that. I was able to prescribe it without doing any blood work, really, for most of the peptides. If I honestly, if I look back, 
I could do that. I choose to always do a blood panel first. I would try to be as safe as possible. Mm-hmm. But there are peptides that raise growth hormone. And this is where probably the That's most the CJC twelve CJC twelve ninety fine. Yeah, so they raise IGF one. So you can run your insulin like growth factor one and get a feel for roughly how much growth hormone you're making at night. Growth hormone, fountain of youth, like there's so much you could get into there. There's and then even among the growth hormone. So the peptides, IGF is a, called a fountain of youth? So if that runs a little high, it's okay. Uh, growth hormone itself, I mean, is okay. like because I mean you can inject actual GH, right? It's thousands okay. of dollars a month. It's very expensive. Um, there's some ways to get it a little cheaper and still pharmaceutical grade, but um, you know, growth hormone itself, just like testosterone, it's going to if you inject it at night, you'll actually get less of your own production. So even the best bodybuilders are actually doing growth hormone in the morning or around workout time, and then they're doing a secretagogue growth hormone peptide at night generally to get their own body's double effect. So low doses. So because anytime you dose a hormone high, side effects can be pretty high. But so what I, mean, I oh, Go ahead. So well, I was just curious on the peptide thing yeah. again is like, so you, someone comes in, you go through the blood work, they go through their you know symptoms or their lifestyle, yep. what they want to improve. You're talking to them, you're having the conversation. Then you're going to prescribe peptides. Where are you getting them if these are? Yeah. So a few pharmacies. So the main way some pharmacies have basically created side businesses that are okay. labs now they're lab companies similar to stem cells actually some of the stem cell companies in the country are now creating peptide labs where they stem cell labs are actually held to a very high standard um even though it's hard to i don't really understand stem cells that well i know that's really most people that are doing peptides did stem cells so that's really most of the anti-aging doctors the longevity docs are the ones doing that I got into peptides because they helped me. So I, there are ways now you can get BPC one five seven almost anywhere online. Okay, it's still one hundred fifty bucks, so it's still expensive. So but I hopefully some of the, hey, but you got to be careful with stuff like exactly. that, right? Because if you lab test some of these pharmaceuticals, yeah. you're going to see heavy metals right. in the product, right? So exactly. you got to be careful about. Yeah, be very like careful because a lot of these things get sold on research purposes only. Sites. Supplements are non regulated, so they're they're not regulated in the sense that. Um, there's there's different regulations. They're not FDA. There's not monographs for every supplement. Um, that would be great if there was. I mean, honestly, but what happens is then you start seeing things like, well, NAC, N-acetylcysteine, all of a sudden, you know, there were some people that were taking it with purported benefits with COVID. All of a sudden, it got threatened that we wouldn't be able to, I wouldn't be able to prescribe it, but you could still get it at Sprouts. I couldn't use the injectable anymore, which I would use it um, inhaled. You could inhale it to actually clear some mucus and actually help glutathione, for example, heal the lining gut. You can buy glutathione online, but I wouldn't be able to prescribe it in a compounded pharmaceutical way. When you when someone comes in and you and they run through the your process, do you ever say, "Hey, I can't really prescribe this, but go ahead and get it here." So the like, way I'm approaching it now, um, yeah, I mean, again, maybe in three months I'll be like, "Why was I being so worried about this?" Um, I provide research and I provide um, education on peptides, and then I do view first doing no harm as sourcing providing the potential best way they can source it. Mm-hmm. Um, because if I don't, and this is where I would argue this all day if I was ever to get sued for something, that if, if someone says I'm going to do peptides, my job as a, as a doctor at that point, as a licensed awesome. practitioner, is to reduce their harm you know, as much as I can. That could mean if I thought they were harmful, talking them out of it, right? That's one way that I could approach that. Like if I see people on multiple anabolic steroids in my clinic, I, I will tell them and I will show them in their labs what it's doing to their body. Look how thick your blood is. Yeah, yeah. I will, I'll go through the benefits and risks and what I understand. But are, are, are peptides similar to stem cell in that there are absolute, like nobody's gotten an injection of stem cell and died. Right. Right? Like, so like healthy no, stem. There's been no safety concerns on any peptide. On peptides are similar, so similar. this whole potentially dangerous is just a, poten- you know, again, no conspiracy theory, whatever. It's, Most it's, likely is that they're waiting to patent them. They're doing their best to patent the ones that they're going to work. And all the other ones that are close enough 
Because right, once the FDA has a something that says this treats shoulder pain more than anything, shoulder osteoarthritis, then that will get covered and nothing else will. Until you prove something, then then the, the standard of evidence Shift. has to be one step above that. Even if it's non-toxic, non-invasive, until you get above that, you won't get approved. What do you think the what do you think the percentage of people that are on peptides? I think it's a lot higher than you think. I think really? pro, I think pro athletes, it's it's you can't really test for it. Um, I work with again a lot of guys in different levels of military training. I think almost everyone that's looking for an edge is taking are you, are peptides. You almost a hundred percent. Yeah. 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 And it's one of those things where we'll see. Now my understanding people have been caught with peptides, not on peptides. You meaning, can't te- there's no there's no litmus for so this is almost, I mean, just for the, for, you know, for us it is almost like a cheat code. Potentially. Yeah. And I think you should still be careful. I think there's, and you know, it's like, there are 40 different ones, even that I think you could go look up right now. If you just looked up peptide therapy and there's probably ways you could get, like take a quiz and figure out which one's best for you. And that's probably what I should develop, you know, mm-hmm. um, because peptides I'm passionate about, right? If, if people get them from someone else or get them from another source, like right now I'm, I'm doing well because I'm providing research. I'm helping people. And the way we make money in my clinic mostly is by managing hormones because you need to do blood work, you know, pretty often. You need to be on a monthly membership. You do. It is a fairly expensive prescription. Mm-hmm. Peptides, you know, they heal people and they go home and they feel better. So You know, the one thing that I, I always come friends. back to with all of this health stuff, and at some point we'll, we'll kind of tie it, but it really goes down to this evolution of energy and, and that your health yeah. can be the, the foundation to do whatever the hell you want in your life, right. right? This whole podcast was around tips and tricks and, you know, cuts and hacks and, you know, the foundational pieces, the rebounding from this. And there's all kinds of different things right. with, um, you know, how people kind of want to hack their way or take a pill or do this and that. But the health part of it and being energetic and the, you know, the combination of workout, nutrition, sleep, you know, testing, mm. um, staying outside in the light. There's just a, a lot of different things that you can yeah. do, but a lot of it is just tweaking your own algorithm yeah. and what's what right. works for you to be the most, imbe- to show up, right. right? To show up in your best self, to be alert, to be energetic, and then to be able to, to you know, downshift and be able to turn it off at night, right? You want to turn right. it up in the morning or turn it up during the middle of the day and then downshift so you can sleep and, right. and hopefully process a 24-hour period and do it again the next day and then over and over and over Right. And so what you're talking about is a lot of a lot of that. And I'm sure that's a lot of the questioning and stuff like that. Yeah. And that's a lot of that's where my mind as a human performance, you know, undergrad comes in because I'm not looking at are you sick or are you not sick? I'm looking at are you optimal? Yeah. So that's where it gets really fun because there's not a one size fits all. And, um, you know, I, I love neurotropics. I love talking about kind of how sure. we enhance the brain. Some of those are peptides, some of them aren't. But, um, you know, a lot of people come to me now because peptides are the hot thing. And I think that's going to keep being, I don't think peptides are leaving. I don't think this is like a trend. We right. might call them something else in the future, but small molecules that are more specific than what we're currently using therapeutically that are more safe, those are going to be around. But it, it sounds like uh, the, the pivotal issue or the crux of what we're talking about when it comes to peptides is that proteins are critical to our health. Yes. The subset of proteins are able to build the protein, which are amino acids. Yes. That, I mean, that's where our health is going. Yeah. 
and knowing what you specifically will need more than someone else potentially. So like I would love to be on the cutting edge of developing the testing that says, hey, based on this algorithm, you would be a, a great candidate for BPC. Because other people that I work with, some of the guys going through SEAL training that I've gotten to help or whatever, I, I, you know, they, uh, they're they testing a lot more there now, which is interesting. Uh, there's a death in the SEAL community, uh, training community in uh, February 2022, was it? January, February. So uh, they've been a lot more strict. I think it's a good thing. Death, I think uh, for what reason? Uh, yeah, not supposed to talk about it. Uh, okay. But no, it's actually a full, there's a New York Times uh, full autopsy report. It was performance enhancing drugs was okay. the was the, the listed cause of his death. And you know he was, as far as we know, on massive doses of growth hormone, testosterone, potentially some other anabolics. Peptides weren't blamed in it. We're just saying now there's uh, Olympic level testing going on, which is actually a good thing. I think that, yeah. you know what, I, I don't think even a Navy SEAL would rather, if he could get through without, when a guy comes to me and he's like, what can I do? If he hasn't been injured yet, he hasn't tried without being on anything, I'll say, go go try. If you get injured, then Bud's medical is... The, the SEAL, like, the medical care they get when they're rolled... Before they're SEALs, so these guys aren't SEALs yet. They're, they're in training. They may not... 90% of them won't make it. Um, I think they should all go through and give it their best shot, especially when they're 20 years old. The guys going through that are 30. How often can you take it? Every year? Uh, go through Bud's? Yeah. No, it's something you actually get a contract for, and if you don't okay. make it, um, you go out to the fleet, and you might be able to come back about two years later. Two years, okay. Um, so, yeah, a really interesting pathway, but... For them, what I like about peptides is that we have I have objective data, right? So when someone like surgery, I think it shines post surgery, right? Because otherwise, it's like, ah, do my my knees feel a little better? Is this after surgery? You know, it should take this long to recover from this shoulder reconstruction, right? And I have patients coming in almost weekly now, almost daily. It seems like and being like, I went back. It's been six weeks. My my surgeon cleared me for everything. They said yeah, within a month. If you I'll think be Aaron Rodgers, sorry, six weeks <laughs> in comparison to, to three months. Three months. Say. Yeah. yeah, I'm seeing yeah, so about you cut it in half. And we did. I'm pretty sure we did both BPC and and TB4, the Wolverine healing stack that Conor McGregor may or may not have used. Like those kind of like it's really interesting what the the news comes in and then sure. how many people show up at my door to get treatment yeah. and then uh, yeah. and so now that's happening like crazy and my you know, conventional, and I'm saying hormone clinic, it's like a normal thing. There are a lot more, right? There's yeah. just in our area, there's probably, you could look up probably 20 HRT clinics within mm -hmm. five miles of here. Yeah. And they're all helping people. And a lot of them are dabbling in peptides. I, I, that's, what, that's how I would say it. This they're, is like new, new, right? If Because you can't- But I've been doing it for six or seven years. Yeah, you know? no, so it's like an interesting, great. it's, it's really like it is, but it's really hitting the mainstream. And, uh, you know, now it's like pretty clear what guys like Aaron Rodgers, like no yeah. one's guessing him. He's done, he did a it's lot clear, of things. It's clear that Aaron Rodgers, it was healing process. Was he just, probably did a lot of other cool, really yeah. cool stuff. That's probably Hyperbarics, awesome. ozone, all that shit. Yeah, there's yeah, a whole nother- Can you touch on some of that before we wrap on on other things? So you've, you know, yeah, the blood work? Yeah, because there's there's cold plunge. There's, you know, different nutrition- yeah. tips that you would say they like, can all be done synergistically that's the yeah. nice thing almost very few things there's a few of like the neurotropics i use that can't be taken with antidepressants there's certainly always like medical like i probably undervalue how many like things happen in my mind when someone shares their goals with me like if this then this this is you know like, yeah. it definitely is more because like, i do screenings at this place where they do therapeutic uh, juicing and fasting called optimum health institute all those patients are really sick and I have to basically decide, can they do colon hydrotherapy? Kind of a random job I just do for two hours on Monday. It's a really cool place. I get to treat really sick people that might be like, they've been told there's nothing else they can do. I would love to incorporate peptides. They just want me to screen these patients, but some of them are on 20 meds, blood thinners, this. That's got to hit home to you, right? Like and I have to decide, yeah, are people they? People that have been told, hey, nothing can yeah. be done. And there's some <laughs> objective things that would disqualify them, but generally the thing I'm doing is, are they healthy? Are they vital enough? to receive colon hydrotherapy, which is an interesting thing too. 
and and will it help them? And Olin hydrotherapy, uh, water in your ass, washing <laughs> your ass, <laughs> like a bidet. Yeah, yeah but like yeah. um, like higher pressure and like the there's bigger like fish. I've had enough asshole talk for one <laughs> podcast. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Okay, so, so so get your colon washed. Yeah, maybe. Um, maybe. What, what maybe. would be your top? What about uh, top like easy things to do if you're even at the gym? Is it sauna? Is it cold plunge? Yeah. Um, what, what would do you like? Would, how would you rate it? I love off? I love sauna and cold. I love sauna yeah. myself. Cold plunge. There's so many good benefits. Um, and I like the the back and forth, right? So like I know um, you're you're basically giving an exercise to your blood vessels without ex without all the wear and tear that can come with some you know types of exercise. So you're getting uh, in Germany, for example, they do. Cold, hot, cold, hot. Right. You can do it in the shower, right? You can just do. You always want to um, start with warm, end with cold. Mm. So you always want to end with cold. That's a, a German hydrotherapy thing. But you want to allow your body to heal itself back up. Yeah. We're always tempted to go back to the warm, but you should always end in cold. Just the simple. Um, and then it was uh, on uh, Huberman where it's 60 minutes sauna and 11 minutes cold a week <sighs> is ideal. That's a lot. But, yeah, it's definitely doable. I mean, cold, we're talking about cold, ideally. But I think jump in the ocean, right? Jump in the ocean, get your feet on the sand. Grounding is very important. Mm. Uh, I think you should be doing that daily or as much as you possibly can. Yeah, what, we should actually, your, what's your revolution there? Because a lot of people don't know is where you yeah. just, no, no shoes, no socks on the earth's surface. Yeah, get on the earth. I mean, it, now, it, does that include like asphalt or is it just like grass or is it dirt? Is it, it, it ideally the, the more, uh, the more variety, the better okay. for your, for your energy, for your microbiome, for your, your electrodes, whatever. Um, but yeah, grass is great. I, I've been, but it would just be fun for, you know, even your listeners to take a, take a moment. Like it'd be fun to pull them, right? Like, how many people like honestly are getting their feet on the ground honestly once a week? Yeah. Once a once a day would be ideal. You literally can't ground through um, you know, all the rubbers and plastics and things like and I have days where I don't and I'm like, wow. It is fascinating when you really reflect I mean, on well, that. Just think about it right now. When was the last time that you were actually had yeah. your bare feet on the earth? When was the last time you got unfiltered sun? Unfiltered sun includes, you know, no sunscreen, yeah. no windows. Like you actually got out and just had 15 minutes of unfiltered sun in the morning, ideally when, yeah. you know, so ideally like morning sun, uh, cold exposure. Yes. Um, you know, surfers do a pretty good job. Like a lot of surfers, you know, they have weird injuries and stuff. They come see me cause I got hit with a board or whatever, but yeah. a lot of them are pretty healthy, you know, yeah. and, uh, and uh. they're pretty resilient. So, so you don't have, op I, that, thank you for that. And we got to wrap this up pretty soon. <laughs> yeah. uh, thank you for being here. Yeah. Um, but we you can just you, keep going. Yeah. yeah I know we can go forever, but yeah. is there a, uh, so 50 degrees, 60 degrees, what, what, where do you start defining as cold? I mean, Definitely I know like, we do that 39 degree plunge, obviously. Yeah. yeah, I'd have to look. I mean, this is what is fun. Like Andrew Huberman really changed the dynamics yeah. of what, because yeah. he's able to really succinctly share like the literature. Mm. Again, being results-based, I'm going to learn about the literature. That's like fun for me to look at. Yeah. but And that's why people say their doctor hasn't learned anything in five years. Mm -hmm. So well, my job is I'm a lifelong learner. And I think because of my own health journey, I've, taking that on. And I, and I hope most practitioners are growing and evolving. I think my job more so demands that. And I, I actually say that to my patients almost every day to remind myself, right? Like my, one of my jobs for all my, my members, my clients, all that is to be able to sift through what's going on in the podcast world, what's going on in the PubMed, you know, literature, yeah. what's going on in the clinicaltrials.gov world, because I can help synthesize all that. And you know what? Like the next thing, there's some called bioregulators. I have no idea. I have athletes over in like Europe doing yeah. telling me about bioregulators with ozone injections, and I've, right. I have no idea what bioregulators are yet. But yeah, yeah, yeah we, did that, we did some of those. But I think it's to your point, and one of the things that we talked about early, and I just want to reiterate it, is that people there's just so much information yeah. that's available that they so can much. start to do. You know, the, if they have things and want to be proactive, if they want to 
be more progressive with their health. They want more energy. They There's a lot of literature that's out there that they can start. So then yeah. when they come in and they see someone like you, they're having more advanced conversations. They And they should also be trying stuff. You know, they should be right. an active participant in their health, not this reactive. I think it's a, like a big part of the problem. And like even like work-wise, like we're trying to, I'm trying to grow a team that is like more alert. We, we I talked the other day, not to sidetrack, but he needed time away from the 10 hours of his calendar. Right. So I said, you need two hours, go sit on the beach. Right. No shoes, literally just go yeah. walk on the beach and you wow. have think time. He said, I have never had a manager tell me, stop working. Yeah. Well, in all honesty, if you, just go, you. if you go 10 hours and 10 hours and 10 hours, and then when you go out. home, you've got three kids and you've got a wife and you've got this and that, that's just too much. Yeah. Take two hours tomorrow yep. and go get on the sand yep. and go clear your head. Because then you can be or more organized into what right. you're doing. Yeah, more effective on what on, on contributing. There, there's just a ton of yeah. things with it. Yeah, but. and then there's times to push through, right? There, and yes. that can help people do that there too. Is Correct. So you might say, "Hey, I have this goal." So that's why it all comes back to your goal. So I think getting clear on your goals, you know, and hopefully that's also in line with like a ten year plan. And a, you know, yeah. you know, we don't have to, we don't, we can't take tomorrow for granted. Like I, yeah, you know, for me, it's definitely like more of like where where am I being called? What am I? What's my purpose? And then um, I have a quote that. Kind of is always resounding me. It says, "If if you know um, your why, the how and the what will become clear." And I and I sense that when people come in and they generally understand their why, I can help them try to figure that out in in an hour visit. But if they come in with that, it's a lot more fun yeah, because you know yeah. they know why they're there. They know what they want to feel. I'm, they might be some self awareness things they don't have yet, but yeah. when I get to dial it in. But I mean, I have uh, what I've been doing now because I don't get to see everyone as patients. I do like fifteen minute discovery calls that. I was doing it for free. I charged 30 bucks that way. And I'll give someone the down and dirty in those 15 minutes, you know, just, Hey, listen to their story quickly. It's not a full visit, but I will tell them if I think I can help them. If I can't, I know other places to start. Hey, check out this podcast. Yeah. Cause yeah. you're, that's where you're at. That's, you don't that's have the start. Yeah. So you, don't, you might not have the knowledge come to me, docere, doctor as teacher. I'd love to educate and share what I'm learning, mm -hmm. but that that's available. So I want someone to come in and say, I learned about this, this, and this. Can you help me? Yeah. You know, which one's the best? I want to help you prioritize because really that's not your job. There's so much, there's 101 health benefits of these, you know, 100 supplements. Yeah. How do I decide which yeah. ones to take yeah. for, for my physiology, symptom-wise, under the hood, long-term health? That's what I help people prioritize. I would much rather someone come in. That's the opposite of your old doctors, not yeah. point at you, but just saying yeah, like yeah, no, I understand. the sense of like, they're like, oh, I'm the doctor, you're the patient. I'll tell you what to do. I want patients come in saying, I want to do this. Can you help me? Right. Yeah. Well, thank, thank you for your service. Can you tell everybody who's going to listen to this where they can can find you? Yeah, yeah. Uh, thanks. Yeah, so I'm, I think, dr.trainer, last name, trainor. Um, we can put British that on way. the, but, on the um, Yeah, link it up. Yeah, yeah. that's my Instagram. I'm pretty uh, contacting there. But my best thing is uh, my website, www.drtrainernd.com. Probably right. need to simplify it for the business stuff. But uh, you know, I have some reviews here in San Diego. We happy to, there's an appointments tab. Like I said, that 15 minute call is probably the best way to just get started because okay. there, it might make sense to go more to the places I offer blood work. It might make sense to just schedule with me if you're out of, and I, I can but do blood a great work. place to start. It's a great place to start. Cause like, like we did, we just got, we just connected, yeah. you know, within five, 10 minutes, we were able to say, Hey, this is where I would go. Yeah. And you already had some goals. You had objective things you wanted to do. Yeah. And I've helped empower you to do that in a, you know, a lot of places that if you came in with your same goals, you honestly might have spent five grand before you even get some yep. treatment, to be honest, in the yep. way that... I don't think he would have spent that, but yeah. Hopefully I, not. I would have asked but, you for some your credit card. Yeah, because <laughs> um, this but, stuff can get expensive, and I'm, yeah. not, I'm not trying to devalue the value of it, but there's places charging 
you know, potentially four times more than peptides sure. for me. And that's just because I know that like helping people will always come back to be worth it. And it's, it's a, there is a volume thing and all that. Well, like but, like yeah. we say, like my father used to say, may we all continue the healing. And I, yes. I think that that, that's, that's the, the pivotal point. And, um, I mean, that's, that's where we are today. And I just want to thank you for taking the time right now. Yeah. Uh, this is, I mean, we can go on for hours, yeah, but I, I, we need, we need to let these guys go home and eat some peptides. And now um, people know me and maybe we can do a Q and a or like a yeah. come in with, I, and I, today I didn't answer a lot of questions. I feel like because we were trying to figure out, you know, my story versus it's what a blend. to share, but I, I love sharing them both because I'll try pretty much everything. Like I said, I'm an astronaut. Like I'm going to, I get some hydrogen bottles in cause I heard about it on a peptide or on a, on a podcast. Like is hydrogen water going to help me absorb my nutrients better and feel better? I don't know. Yeah. So why don't I try it? And then two months from now I can let you know yeah. if it's out. me and my wife are going to try it and my barber, you know? So I, I get a few other people that are friends and that's how it started with peptides. I started doing it with some friends after I was like, this helped me a lot. This helped you. So peptides, the only thing I do now I'm off all meds because they're helping me, they have side benefits, right? Yeah. So instead of side effects of these other meds that were breaking down my bones and other stuff, actually like, oh, I feel better in the gym. I have a little more vascularity. Yeah. Most people say BPC is a slight neurotropic effect. So I take it in the morning. Some people take it at night. Like it's just really cool to get into the nuances. That's the fun part when people are like, you know, I'm what taking What I love this. is the empirical, the fact that it's like, it's working. Like, yeah. There's a notice, a noticeable Results. difference. Yeah. Um, and I, and I thank you for that. And I, I honestly, we have to wrap it up. Yes. We, we, we'll, we'll go on here forever, but thank you very, very much, uh, for being here. It was, it was amazing. Um, and by the way, this is what we try to do in terms of a blend of your journey with trying to glean some things and, and mm -hmm. be able to share with our audience just how elite people can function. Um, so I think what we did is a perfect blend of cool. how we like to, we like to get to know you. We also like get to know what you do and then try to contribute and help everybody get better. Um, just even 1%, right? So oh, I do offer, uh, on Fridays actually it's private practice day. So I work other places kind of Monday through Thursday, but Friday, all I do is those, there you go. those 30 we, minute you can consults. Win, you can those, win on Fridays. You can, you can I was win on thinking Fridays. about that. I was yeah. like, wait, that's yeah. the day yeah. I offer yeah. those. Yeah. That's like the main yeah. day I offer so, those, like, um, those initial calls. And we, if someone wants to pay me and do a full hour right away, hey, I do that too. And if yeah, someone's sure. like, and that's, you know, the average going rate for that is three to 400 bucks now. That's about what I charge. Um, but mm -hmm. that's like me spending usually about three hours, three to four hours of my time working with you yeah. to wow. dial in a plan. So awesome there's, there's that, but there's also the, Hey, 15 minute call, 30 bucks. Get started. Let's get started. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Perfect. Well, thanks again. Awesome. Really Thank you very that much. Very helpful. This, yeah, uh, this wrap, this wraps it up. It's a, another great session of uh, flip your Friday. Um, Casey, I didn't know you know this, if you knew this, but we're actually on every platform. It's really cool. So Spotify, we're, we're on Instagram, we're on all that stuff. There's people out there. I have no idea what that means, really, YouTube and all that. But there's people out there. Uh, audience old. can learn. Yeah. It's 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 cool. We we were on there. So uh, thank you very much again, and that'll wrap it up. And that's it. That's awesome. Yeah. All right. All right. <laughs> Thanks, well, dude. Yeah. I could. I, yeah, I could have sat another hour. Yeah, I know. <laughs>